the accused Narayan Kamre, age 65, is charged under Indian Penal Code, Section 306. Abatement of Vikas Dube is dead. He's been killed after an encounter broke out. This is the big breaking news that's coming in dramatically. Suspense is finally over. The Mumbai trial court today gave Mohammed Ajmal Amir Kassab the death sentence for murder and waging war against the country 17 months after the 26th The Constituent Assembly to frame the Constitution in terms of paragraph 3 of the resolution. Welcome to the Daksh Podcast. I'm Leah. I work with Daksh, which is a Bangalore-based non-profit working on judicial reforms and access to justice. Our guest for this episode was Justice Chandru, a former Madras High Court judge who was wonderfully portrayed by Surya in the Amazon Prime movie Jai Bhim. Justice Chandru has one of the most prolific rates of disposal of cases for any judge in the country. In this episode, we discussed custodial violence and the broader issue of access to justice for women in the background of the movie and his book, Listen to My Case. Custodial violence has become an accepted feature of our policing system. We read about it in the news constantly and it is a standard trope in movies and shows about cops. The human impact of victims of these crimes has been captured in the film Jai Bhim, which is based on the real-life story of Parvati, a woman belonging to the Irula tribe who approaches the Madras High Court to find her missing husband after he is falsely arrested for theft. He was severely tortured by the local police for supposedly attempting to escape from prison. The film also highlights the obstacles faced by women accessing courts. The justice system like most other public institutions, is not designed to be gender responsive. The Access to Justice Survey 2016, conducted by Daksh, found that only 15% of litigants were women. Discrimination, stigma and a lack of awareness are just some of the barriers that women face. Justice Chandru's book describes the stories of 20 women who approached the Madras High Court seeking enforcement of their rights and redressal of wrongs done to them. I begin by asking Justice Chandru about the circumstances of the real-world crime that inspired the movie Jai Bhim and if, in his opinion, there was any change in the attitude of the police now. You must know the film Jai Bhim was based upon a true incident took place in 1993. We had some, fortunately, some good judges. One of them was P.S. Misra from Patna. After he took over in Madras High Court, he brought a new orientation to the habeas corpus petitions and uh, complaints for judicial remand and uh, torture and lockup, etc. But that time the law was not very uh, well developed. But then he was able to give good compensation and also order special investigation in such complaints. And this case of Tebim was not the first one. In fact, in 1990, we had a case of a police station rape followed by a murder of the husband of the woman. And he appointed a SIT presented by a then superintendent of police, Latika Saran. She rose to become the DGP of the Tamil Nadu police. And that report indicated the police and they were all tried later. A special prosecutor was appointed and all of the policemen were convicted. But Justice Misra took the issue to a further rank he decided that it is not only the compensation, but we will also have a rehabilitation for the women. So they directed the government to give employment in government service for that lady. And she is now employed. She is married again. And I think that was the first ever case in the Madras High Court, which took a new direction that 
a special investigation into the crime and uh, compensating the victim, rehabilitating the victim and uh, pursuit, not just leave the case and leave it like that. The High Court was pursuing, monitoring the case till the end. I think that gave inspiration to several other cases which followed later. I think in that sense, the Jai Beam story also was a trend because it started with the habeas corpus filed by the tribal woman. But the habeas corpus did not go further because nobody knew what happened to him. And later, our own investigation. There were two other persons, the nephews of the deceased Raja Kanna, who was also in the lockup. And with the pursuit of those two, we found them in Kerala, neighboring state, in a very remote village, doing some menial work because they were threatened by the police that in case they come back, they will also face the same fate of the uncle. So they never came and they were hiding. And then we brought them, we got their statement recorded. And when we produced the statement, the court was shocked. And the government denial all along was also exposed. But for the production of the two nephews who were eyewitnesses, this case would have been a very uh, difficult thing. And then after the habeas corpus and compensation, the trial took nearly several years because they were challenging the special prosecutor appointment by the government. And then the special prosecutor's house was attacked. His library and the car was burned by the hooligans with the complete uh, tacit approval of the police. And then it led to the Madras High Court bar uh, striking work and uh, filing a petition for police protection for the prosecutor. And only in 2004, the policemen were convicted by the Sessions Court. Later, their appeal in the High Court was dismissed within three years. Again, it's a feat because so many appeals are still pending and this case was uh, over within a in court, uh, reasonable time. We know that the wheels of justice grind slowly. How do delays affect cases such as these, you know, where there are matters of life and liberty at stake? We have seen during my uh, practice as a lawyer for 30 years, I would have uh, come across at least 15 to 20 cases of lockup death, encounter death and torture in lockup and going for compensation. And then usually it takes quite some time for getting relief. But when I became a judge, I decided that whenever such cases are listed before me, I would pursue the cases till the end within a short period. So none of the cases which came before me lasted more than three to four weeks. What we could assure such people coming from downtrodden community, tribal, scheduled caste, that we could have a faster disposal. But we can never stop this kind of a torture of the poor people in lockups. Fortunately, after the um, Sengeni's case, Jaibim case, the Supreme Court has issued a guideline in the form of uh, D.K. Bosu versus West Bengal. There are 11 guidelines, which are known as 11 commandments. So whenever such cases came before me, while adorning the bench in the Madras High Court, I had taken action against the magistrates. Because first, my query will be, what was the remand report? If the remand report is not in conformity with Bosu guideline, Action will be initiated against the magistrate. That's very important that the judiciary, being the monitor or the protector of the constitutional right, cannot keep quiet at all levels. It doesn't mean only High Court is empowered to do all this. Even a magistrate can do this. And if you ask me 28 years ago now, I don't see any big change in terms of the attitude of the police. And some of these circulars remain only on a paper proposition.
Yeah, sir, just coming back to the issue of custodial violence, you know, as a lawyer, the question that often occurs to me is, uh, see, uh, confessions to police officers are inadmissible in court. So why do the police continue to torture uh, people in custody? You must know how the criminal justice system works. One is need the proof. And then the best way of proof is to make them agree to the crime. And then to the misfortune of the police, even the British did not believe their own police. And they said Section 24 of the Evidence Act, no statement given to the police will be taken as evidence. But then there is an exception that recovery is made pursuant to the confession is also admissible. So most of the crime, police make a recovery. And for that purpose, they also torture some other witnesses. Secondly, the torture is also in a way not only to solve the particular crime. Torture is also a state dominance over such communities. It is a extending their suzerainty over the population itself so that they are able to rule better, put them under check. And therefore, this attitude of even for a small offense, you try to you know, make maximum damage to them, to their willpower, which is something which goes on. It's been handed down from generation to generation. This is how the police behaves. And even the police reports, when they write, they write the cost of the person. They write the community of the person. Even today, the statements. Recently, I found even the court, when they record witness statement, one column says community of the person, which is not required at all. But then this mindset has been set over the century by a colonial government, which has been followed. And in some other court diaries, police write some prefix for all these accused. For example, if you say Raja Kandu, they may put KR, which means Korawa, that belong to that community. We asked them how this is being written. We also complained to the court that no accused should ever be described by any prefix before their name. And High Court also issued uh, some direction, but uh, nobody obeys that. They write only this. And most of these prefixes are relating to the tribal status, that particular tribe which they belong to. So who is responsible? A nomadic community which has only one family in the village, you catch them and then torture them to agree. That's a, this is a usual uh, police style. And some other police officers also try to justify these uh, methods of extracting so-called confessions. Yeah, this has kind of become an institutional culture in the police. But I think what's interesting for us to analyze is, you know, how much of that resonates in society as well, you know. So uh, there's an organization called Common Cause, which releases a status of policing report. So the 2019 version of this report said that three out of four personnel justify being violent towards criminal and four out of five justify physically assaulting suspects during investigations to extract confessions. Now, in the 2018 version of the same report, 50% of the citizen respondents, you know, people like regular people like us, they condoned police violence. So, you know, in your opinion, have we as a society also normalized custodial violence? People want quick justice. That's why you will find even the encounter specialists, the super cops are being treated so well. Even there was a film by Surya earlier as a police officer, where he kills a person by encounter. And there is a small dialogue saying that this whole trial process costs so much to the government. A bullet costs only a six rupees, and therefore government is also saved the money. And you must see the thunderous claps 
that particular dialogue will come when the scene is enacted now what is the real reason is forget the uh, educated population the ordinary people feel that criminals should be punished spot justice now they do not understand that the punishment has to come from the court proper evidence should be there otherwise uh, innocent will be what they demand is like the instant food now they want to have instant death also any case they'll say that now this is not something ordinary people even two of the high court judges in madras wrote in their orders that such punishments has to be given like uh, removal cutting their fingers if there is a case of forgery and castrate them in case of some sexual violence all this comes in the light of the supreme court holding that it does not mean heinous crimes should be punished with barbarous punishment because our punishment system is based upon reformatory system where a convict is reformed and then brought into mainstream now people advocate retributory theories now one such strong faith is a death penalty the chairman of the law commission ap shah he prepared a report on death penalty and sent it to the government when the report went for discussion among the parliamentarians majority parliamentarians opposed abolition of death penalty their recommendation was to abolish death penalty extreme cases except but that was never accepted therefore the so called representative of the people also represent the mind of the people that they believe in giving uh, such punishment i think we are going through a very difficult phase where the increasing uh, jingoism of complicating the law making the law harsher and then looking for punishment instantaneously these are all deviating from rule of law i know two instances where the police officers openly justify beating the accused in the lockup because they say that's the only way we can extract truth it is not just the police we had a pucl president for tamil nadu chapter in in the early 70s one ramaswami chor ramaswami was also a very famous person he also said the same thing in a public meeting then we told him that he can't be a president of pucl and say all this he said and then i'll resign this is my view he was sticking to his view but he resigned from pucl thanks to at least human rights are having a different face but most of the people why they want instant means they do not want to wait for eternal justice number of years go by court trials and appeals and further appeals and therefore in a way for such thoughts judiciary is responsible and finally there is one more thing the attitude of the society now in this case sengeni everybody is uh, sympathizing with that girl because of her brilliant performance i always ask people if the real sengeni comes and knocks your door will you open the door and offer a glass of water between the real and the real there is still a gap that continues So Justice Chandru, coming to your book, uh, listen to my case, which is a really interesting account of women approaching the justice system. So the pattern I noticed is that you know after long drawn out legal battles, the women get compensation, but we rarely hear if the policemen are facing any action. You know, and uh, police excesses, of course, get media attention. But how often are police uh, personnel held accountable? And why do you think there is this kind of impunity for police excesses? though there is a law for malicious prosecution it is never put in practice under section 4 of the scst poi act there is also provision to punish the officers who are responsible for instigation or uh, abetment i don't think any officer has been charged under section 4 despite an attempt to bring them in 
and now there is a provision to give them the sanction mm-hmm. for prosecution still continue somehow uh, they think compensation is enough he does not pursue therefore in a way this jaybeam case is not stopped with compensation or rehabilitation it goes pursues till their conviction i think that could be done in an individual case but largely the officers who are responsible for perpetrating such crime they escape due to several factors they continue to be protected by higher officers like in the case of jaybeam the, the government completely supported the officers without knowing what is the real uh, truth behind it because the poor man words never count in our society and the law always uh, grinds the poor goat the rich and therefore chengeni case was an exception but not the real rule and compensation uh, is not the only solution the book which you are referring to they are all only isolated cases 15 cases which i dealt with i picked up as a representative case the compensation cases also which came on a different form we were trying to do some salvage operation to do some help to them but what is most important is that the bar do not have a human rights cell in each bar where the lawyers can volunteer to help such people as an organized bar unless they come out with such program under the bar council rules we have a provision for legal aid committees for the bar also but i do not think that any bar has got any such provisions the net result is people are just made to go here and there run around from pillar to post to get even help that is lacking today therefore when you have a monopoly of a bar we should also authorize the human rights organization to take up such cases directly to the court without the help of the lawyers i consider the help of the lawyer is important but when the lawyers do not come forward and leave the people to the mercy of the others i think uh, they should also like the consumer forum and other forum where the voluntary organization must be able to take up such issues directly to court to the extent this monopoly should be restricted also thirdly that uh, law students should also be trained to act like a co between as an informer or as a contact persons or as a link between the organized bar and the poor people colleges have such committees which go around and fan out to different areas and get contacts and put them into touch with such human rights lawyers i think great service will be done are there any experiences from after the release of the film that you would like to share with us in fact at this stage i want to share one experience which took place last week after the movie was jay beam effect some family 1000 kilometers from chennai landed in my house last sunday they are coming from andhra pradesh they can speak only telugu and i can't speak telugu and then with great difficulty i found that she had a domestic violence problem in her place so i asked that lady that there are 1000 lawyers in in that particular anantapur area why would you travel this way and come here and they didn't have my address they had only the photograph of the film lawyer and they went and asked every auto driver and then somehow they landed there she says that i have no help at all then why did you come here she said we saw the film and we know this man can help us you do not have such people to help in each area this can't come by any compulsory uh, roster but it come from within the lawyers should form groups to fight such uh, societal injustices yeah 
Yes, that story is really an indictment of the justice system. You know that somebody had to travel that far to find help across state borders. That's really an indictment of our justice system. So, Justice Chandra, just uh, one question, just going back to police procedure and how they work. Uh, do you think the police also lack training in scientific methods of interrogation, in behavioral science, in psychology, because those are the tools that they are supposed to use while uh, questioning suspects? In fact, last week, one police officer asked me, he holds the rank of IG, AIG. He asked me that if I know a pattern is stolen, then do you think uh, I can't use any force to get the statement from him? Why do you say that such things should not be allowed? I told him that you can't live in one century old. There is a scientific advancement. There are technologies advanced. I said, if you think that technology is advanced in the crime direction, you should go for that kind of thing rather than the primitive method of the criminal tribe system. But the mindset continues to be the old mindset. Police officers have written to me that this film is really an eye-opener. It doesn't mean only the film should tell them what is right and wrong. And this can't be given a blank check. Even during the pandemic period, COVID-19, when lockdown were there, so many scenes were shown. Police services beating two-wheeler drivers. And some people were very happy about that. I know that our prizes came from the uh, media watches. They think, good thing, that's how we can bring some kind of a normalcy or some kind of a sanity. Somewhere down the line, we also feel, each one of us also feel, such cruel treatment is necessary. Certain barbaric tendencies within us, within our own DNA, also exhibit some kind of a happiness, so long as you are not in the receiving it. I won't say that you make it as a part of a school curriculum. I should say that, like we have a NSS, you should also have a human rights training program in the schools, not as a curriculum business, because then everybody will only attend questions on choice. But this is something to be brought as a cultural movement to bring such standards should be raised. That Unless that is done, these issues of third-degree methods and torture and killing in lockups will continue. Yes. Uh, so this has been a fascinating discussion. Uh, so just uh, we're running out of time. So we, I'll just go to my last question, which is a big picture question on the larger issue of gender and access to justice, which you've written about in your book. Can you just describe for our listeners, you know, the kind of barriers that women or trans people face when accessing justice? Again, when we talk about the brutality of the police, is there any gender specific brutality also? I think there is plenty. In fact, in my judgeship, I had ordered an inquiry where we found a transsexual was sexually abused and then finally were driven to commit suicide. And he committed suicide right in the front of the police station by pouring kerosene on him. That's also mentioned. So it took a long time to unravel how he was driven to suicide. And then we also found that he was in the jail and, and the jail officials also made use of him. With great difficulty when he came out, the police were trying the same thing. I think the uh, orientation, sexual orientation is again an issue which requires a greater uh, probe because not just the police, even an ordinary person, the mindset. In fact, one of our judges, Madras High Court judge, he wrote openly before writing the judgment, he went for a counselling because he has been made to believe so many things as a student, as a lawyer, as a judge. Now he wants to debrief himself from the past notions. He wrote in the order that I am going for a counselling to get myself cleaned off these prejudices. 
if high court judge can say this it can apply to everybody also that what is our attitude towards gender or our orientation gender and it reflects in every action which they initiate not necessarily crime reduction even without committing crime there is an assault assault against a shelter home assault against a girl children assault against women who live alone now all these things happen without there being any criminal trial the society itself acts like a assaulter so one judge very casually remarked if women do not go out in the evenings to god forsaken places then these things will not happen so i asked him suppose you lock your car in your garage does it mean the motor accidents will come down so this is something this mindset is a gender mindset which is there from the birth itself i think uh, a larger movement is necessary to make them realize to have a correct perspective on these issues in fact to come from the mouth of a high court judge you can imagine what is the imagination of the ordinary people but i i think we are also born in a society where which is prejudice against several things and this is one more prejudice that we continue to carry on though we also say that we are the most uh, greatest uh, democracy in the world i would like to ask what do you mean by democracy in such a sense this was my conversation with justice chandru and you've been listening to the daksh podcast this episode was hosted by me lia burgis if you like the show don't forget to follow or subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast so that you don't miss an episode we would love to hear from you so do share your feedback either by dropping us a review or rating the podcast where podcast apps allow you to talk about it on social media we are using the hashtag daksh podcast it really helps get the word out there Most of all if you found some useful information that might help a friend or family member share the episode with them a special thank you to our production team at made in india our production head and editor joshua thomas mixing and mastering kartik kulkarni and project supervisor sean fanthom if you want to find out more about this topic please have a look at the reading list in the episode description and to get in touch visit our website dakshindia.org That's D A K S H India dot O R G. Thank you for listening.